Welcome to the podcast, Work in Design. Well, it's the creating of new things. Design is a lifestyle choice. It's not something that you can just sort of pick up and put down. Design can bring in all different types of mediums and skill sets. It's an absolute passion. And I feel very fortunate and very lucky to have found myself into this role. In this series, we'll discover how you can work as a designer. I'm Kieran Bakewell, and I feel lucky to call design my job. I think it's rewarding work where you can really make a difference. I hope that I can help a new and diverse generation find their way into this fantastic career. I'll be interviewing practicing designers to find out exactly what they do, importantly, how they got there, and also discuss some of the amazing opportunities being a designer presents. So if you're a young creative person and you're wondering what jobs could suit you after school, or perhaps you'd already like to pursue a career in design, then this podcast could be for you. If you'd like to find out any more about any of the episodes or interview guests, please visit workindesign.co.uk. Today, I'm joined by Rick Frampton. Rick has been working as a designer for the best part of 20 years. He's worked at two of the leading furniture manufacturers in the UK, and in 2018, took the plunge and began his own design consultancy. I've known Rick for a long time, and I'm excited to talk about his journey. Hopefully, we can take some tips on a successful design career and starting your own business. Rick, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to kick things off and start with a question I'm really interested in, and it's about the word design. I think the word design can be commonly misused. Mm. Often, it's used to describe something with a high degree of thought, or maybe it's used as an adjective for a luxury item. So I'm guessing for many people, the word design can sound snobby or superficial. So to put you on the spot, Rick, how would you describe the meaning of the word design? Yeah, well, um, it's often something you do give this some thought as a designer, certainly for what this podcast is for and who it's reaching. It's an important thing to try and explain, isn't it? Because it's design as a product or design as a vocation. And we're talking about this as a vocation, aren't we? This is we're expecting someone to take the job on as a designer. The first thing I did was I looked up at the Oxford Dictionary. What even does design mean from that perspective? And they say it's a plan or a drawing to produce and show the appearance and workings of something before it's made. Although that's interesting, it doesn't use one of the most fundamental important words, which is imagination. So when I think about design, I see it as someone using their imagination to create something and bring it to real life. And more importantly, something that's commercial. There's no point being a designer if you design something and it's unsellable. You wouldn't potentially be doing your job. So I think in relations as a designer, it's important to put that you sell it as a product in there. Otherwise, you're a sculptor or something like that. You're more of an artist, whereas this is a commercial thing that's the intent is to sell it and make many of them. That's how I see design. That might sound a little bit more convoluted than what I first intended, but in smaller terms, I think I wrote it down, perhaps that makes better sense, is design is a process for using imagination, creativity. We can use art and science as tools to guide our decisions and turn an idea into reality. So that's that's how I see design. So from your perspective, it's more about using your imagination so perhaps it's a process of creating something unique exactly that yep thanks for that sorry to start with a a really ambiguous question it's important though isn't it 
Because if you go out intending of doing design as a job, then you need to know what it is, certainly for anyone, yeah, certainly someone in education at the beginning of their career. Excellent. Now we've covered that, I can ask you in a bit more detail about what you do now. So could you describe for us what you do today? What is your job? So my job is a freelance designer, which means that I work for myself and people commission me to design products for them. So they pay me, come up with ideas and design products for them to sell. Great. And how does the, I assume there's different mechanisms for how you get paid for design. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So there's a number of different models. Sometimes it can just be a fee base. So a client will say, can you design me this thing? I'll charge this much for a specific task. Like it may just be some simple ideas. It may be some images and they'll pay you on that specific task. And one of the other models is royalties. So you get paid based on the sales of that product. So you say, right, every product that you sell, I, as a designer, will make a percentage of that sold item. You can have bits and bobs of both. You can have part fee, part royalty. But for me, it's a bit of both. I get paid to do specific tasks, and sometimes I have a royalty-based fee as well. Okay, great. It sounds like there's no hard and fast rule as to how you are compensated for design work. It's something which is appropriate to the task at hand. Appropriate to the task and the person paying, yeah. So it's more of a negotiation, if you like, at that point. Some companies are very fixed and some are quite open to negotiation. What would you say you design predominantly? It's furniture, yeah. We design seating mainly as well. And just sort of briefly there, you know, from my experience as a furniture designer, when you're talking to people about that, people have very different perspectives on what furniture design actually mm. is and what you know most people's experience of furniture is furniture in their own home so yeah. could you just describe briefly what kind of furniture yeah so you could look at it as residential furniture like your sofa or an armchair or your dining chair but also there's commercial seating as well what you would expect seeing an office and normally you'd say front of house and back of house so so back of house would be like an office chair the traditional task seat, or it may be the sort of chairs that you see in meeting rooms, things like that. And then front of a house, perhaps something like what you'd see in a car showroom, something like that. Something that you could work at because you wouldn't necessarily want your big loungy comfy sofa in a workplace. In some environments that might be okay, but you tend to sit differently depending on the tasks that you do. And that's a lot of what it is as design. It's certainly designing seating is looking at what people want to do, what is the function, what is their purpose, and how the seat can improve that experience for the person using it. Thanks for clearing that up. So moving on a little bit and talking about your job, what would you say have been some highlights of your career so far? Well, I think my main highlight was moving from working in a business to then working as a freelancer. There's a lot of risk in sort of financial risk in moving from that uh, certainly later on in my career, taking the decision to become freelance and then actually making it work and the rewards of making it work. I think those were my, my main highlight of my career so far, for sure. So that sounds like it's sort of you're treating, you're taking a risk upon your own abilities. You know, yeah. that's been your highlight. You took the plunge. It's worked out. Happy days. Yeah, 
go for it, have a crack. My life just sort of laid out the opportunity and it felt like a good time to do it. I can imagine there's something rewarding about generating your own income. It is. So for the experience of working in a business as a designer and the experience of working as a freelance designer, they both have huge positives. Like when you're working for a business, you have a huge amount of resources. That's whether it's human resources or the technical availability and, and everything that's at your disposal that you can use. And that can be an incredibly fast, rewarding experience as well. I love working in companies as a designer. When you're a freelance designer, suddenly you find that you just don't have that same level of resources. You have to develop it yourself or find the opportunity for that yourself. And the risk is on yourself as well. Are we talking about more of the day-to-day -day issues here? Like uh, you started working as a freelance designer and then realized you now had to do your, your accounts. You're now the IT guy as well. Running a business is a really different thing because essentially when you're a designer in a, in a business, everyone else does all that stuff for you. You're not even aware of it. You know, you might be asked to keep your receipts and things like that for the stuff that you need to buy to do your job. But then to find out that, you know, you, you're your own IT guy, you know, you're the accountant, you're the sales, you're the everything as well as doing the job as the designer as well. You've got to find that balance. That was challenging for sure. I mean, I imagine that's a bit of a, an initial shock, but surely things that are fairly easy to overcome. So can I ask you, what do you enjoy most about your job? I'm asking this question really because I think those who maybe pursue a career in design aren't just looking to get paid and, you know, work to live. It's a choice to do something which is fulfilling for yourself. So what do you enjoy most about your job? Well, it's the creating of new things. Design's a lifestyle choice. It's not something that you can just sort of pick up and put down. It's, it's there all the time. I used to get a lot of my ideas by going on walks or even commuting to work. It's there everywhere when you're out shopping or it's constantly on your mind or you're reviewing and looking at how things look or if you're following trends and things like that as well. Certainly with furniture, trends are quite important to keep an eye on. I love the make as well. I like to see not just the idea of it, but how is it manufactured and going into factories and seeing it being made as well. It's really rewarding seeing the thing you've designed being made and being packed up, ready to go out, and then seeing people use it. Sometimes you see the products I've designed on, on TV. You know, you see an office on a TV program and there it is, someone sat on the sofa that you've designed. There's a bit of a buzz off that. It's rewarding for sure. It sounds like there's a couple of things there. There's what you enjoy about being a designer is the fact that perhaps a way you would spend your time thinking anyway, thinking about problem solving and something that you don't put down at the end of the work day. You've got a job where you can mix your interests with what you do. Absolutely. And then something again, which, you know, I would probably call out as something I really enjoy about being a designer is seeing your idea that at some point not too long ago existed only in your head now it's being made and you're seeing people buying into it and using it. That's the thrill of creation. It's a fantastic part of being a designer. Yeah, it is massively. And I think further to that as well, there's like a validation as well. So who's bought it and how many people have bought it is sort of important. I know that might sound a bit pretentious maybe, but it's sort of having that validation to see that like, ah, I was right. I did solve that puzzle well. It was 
commercially successful. You've been asked a designer to come up with something for a company that's going to invest an amount of money in that idea and you've solved it and they're selling it and it works well for them. And everyone benefits from that as well. The business and all the employees as well as the person that's using it. And it's nice because like good examples of validation, as you'll know, with the people that bought the furniture that you designed, you get big blue chip companies like Facebook and Twitter and all these big companies and Apple are big advocates of buying the products that we've designed. That's nice. You know, you can imagine them choosing good quality products for the environments that they want their staff to work and use. So when Apple come and buy your products for their staff to use, that feels good. You feel validated that you've done a really good job of it. Yeah, and I think that word validation is an interesting word there because it can go both ways as well, can't it? I'm sure we've both worked on things that don't get that validation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that direct feedback you get from your work is probably an important part of being a designer as well. And sometimes design, I'm guessing, can be subjective in its response. I like mm. it, I don't like it. And, oh, yeah. you know, there is no right or wrong answer, but when you're designing for a commercial application, for me, the right or wrong answer has really been whether people buy into it or not. So, yeah, absolutely. So I think that kind of instant feedback loop, I'd agree, is a great part of being a designer. So thanks for that, Rick. Moving on a little bit, what are your favorite tools? I'm a bit of a tech guy. I love technology. I use it because I find it really direct. When your mind's thinking and you want to get ideas down, it's great to sketch and do those sort of things. And that's the good way of getting your human element out there and, and trying to be creative. It's quick, but I love my computer. I love building CAD models. I forget a good idea of shape and form when I'm using CAD in that way. I like the fact of how diverse it can be and how many different ways you can use that CAD model, whether it's to create an image or create a 3D model or very quickly produce some drawings to make a full one-to-one -one scale model and start to prototype it. And for me, it's a lot about speed, trying to get what's in your head out there so you can share it and people to see what you've been thinking as quick as you can. And I can do that through technology. It aids me. Yeah, it's been a fantastic step forward in design technology because... You mentioned there the start of the process sometimes is sketching and perhaps that's an area or a process that most people might associate with design. Someone sat with a pencil and paper sketching mm. away, getting their ideas out. Technology seems to help people who might be great designers, but it can be that you're a great designer, but you're not that great at sketching, you know, and, and I think technology has really helped people get their ideas out. Mm. So just to ask a question on the CAD modeling, can yeah. you maybe describe in a bit more detail what you mean by a CAD model? Yeah, so I use a number of different pieces of CAD software. I use 3D Studio Max. I use Autodesk Inventor. I use other ones as well, Rhino and rendering packages called V-Ray. If someone was unsure what CAD was, it is basically, we're talking about things that are like CGI. So something you might see Pixar make when you think about an animation from Pixar. It's a 3D model, a virtual reality model that we then can manipulate and use to make things look real. We can change the shape of form and quickly bring something to life. I think perhaps you and I could talk about CAD models for quite a while. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, the other good thing is, is that there's the visual element of how it looks, but also it's a really good way to detail something and show 
the dimension, scale, and form. Obviously, that's traditionally what CAD was for. Rather than images, it was for creating engineering drawings so someone could make it. And then it realized that it was good as a visual tool as well. It's often the next phase of refinement, right? After you sketch something and then you think, well, I need to actually start adding some real life proportions to this yeah. because it might be what I've sketched when I check those dimensions are correct. It might not have that kind of fine balance of my sketch. It might look completely different. Yeah. So. Especially with seating as well, because it's attached to the human form. You can tell just by putting dimensions to something whether it's going to be comfortable or not. And uh, you need to know that pretty quick with seating for sure. So I'm just going to move on a little bit now, Rick, and I guess get into the kind of purpose of the podcast mm. and your career journey. So the first thing I wanted to ask is, did you always know you wanted to be a designer or did that come to you? Did that happen organically? Yeah, so for me, I've always been a creative person from a young lad. I've always been drawing. It was a skill set that something I felt confident with not very confident with more academic subjects in school. I was always highly rewarded for being good at art and design and things like that. Whenever I did something that was design related or art related, people were like, wow, that's good. So maybe I just got better at the things that I was rewarded for doing. I always had a passion for film and I wanted to do prop design. I always really liked the idea of working for industrial light and magic on some sort of crazy film set, building props and crazy puppets and animatronics and robotics and things like that. And that's supported because my dad's a designer as well. So within my household, we had quite a big creative lead there. Like he was massively interested in that. And being a lad looking up at my dad, who's designer, it was a career path that's well laid out. It was a real one. It wasn't an imaginary one. No one could say, if I said I wanted to be a designer, that's a real job because my dad did it as a real job. It felt very achievable. You knew someone who's a designer from a young age. That's that's interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my family are creatives anyway, architects, uh, musicians and things like that as well. So within the creative sort of subjects, there were always there as examples of jobs and things that you could do rather than thinking that a job was something that was a more job job you could do something that was incredibly fun and it actually be a job and lifestyle as well. And it, yeah, so I, I'd always seen design as something that I wanted to do. And it, a furniture design only really came into it when I went to college, did a foundation course. And the great thing about those foundation courses after you've done your A-levels and things is that you could try everything that's creative, whether it's 3D design, photography, fashion design, textiles, a graphic design, illustration. You just spend a year just playing, just doing all these different things until you find the thing that you really like. And I personally never really considered product design as something that I wanted to do. I was interested in other things. And then I had one particular really good tutor who said, Rick, you know, the way that you draw things, the way that you see things, you see things through products. Have a look at product design. So he sent me a few design briefs and challenges to come up with some ideas. And after that, I was totally hooked on product design, which then led to furniture. Excellent. Thank you. And just reiterating something you mentioned there, the art foundation course, mm. that is typically a one-year course. It's after A-levels and before a degree course. Yeah, some, that's right. Some degree courses require you to have taken a foundation course. 
some courses, it will just be a bonus, I guess, if you've done that. Yeah. But I think more importantly, and similar to perhaps my experience as well, I think one of the purposes of the lecturers and teachers on foundation courses is to spot what kind of core skills students that study on a foundation course have and maybe what areas of application they're perhaps best suited to. It's very, very similar to my experience. I studied on a foundation course, didn't know I wanted to be a designer and those skills were pointed out to me. So that's definitely a takeaway from this podcast. I think if you're a creative like yourself, Rick, you start looking for ways you can apply that. Mm. And, you know, when you're at school and you watch films and things like yeah. that, you know, you kind of, you only have so much exposure to the professional world. So for me personally, and it sounds like for you, the Art Foundation course was super helpful. Massively. If you're able to take the opportunity to do a foundation course, it's hugely rewarding and being able to focus your attention and it gives you the chance to have a go at things as well. There's a whole number of careers I think I could have done. Like I enjoyed all of it, to be honest. And the great thing about design as well that I also found out is that there's some skill sets there that I used. So I had a, a photography module and what I learned on that photography module, I use that all the time when I do my images and things like that for design. In the fine art, talked a lot about composition. So all the things that I learned about composition I still use now, just doing images for uh, some of my other clients. So I like the idea that design can bring in all different types of mediums and skill sets. Foundation course is one of the most fun years I've ever had, for sure. Excellent. So moving on a little bit from the kind of your initial spark of inspiration, how did you get your first break into professional career and you know, what was that bridge between school and work? Yeah. Well, like I said before, my dad's a designer. So I was incredibly privileged, if you like. A lot of my other friends, yeah, they call it the break. How did you break into it? And as a lot of my friends struggled with that break, some of them set up their own design practices. Others sort of found jobs and they were able to walk into jobs. Some went into further education, went off and do master's degrees and stuff like that. Some took the opportunity to travel I was quite lucky because after about six months, I was just sort of doing in and outs of all sorts of crazy little jobs, really. My dad had an opening at the company that he worked at, and the MD was happy for me to start work there as a junior designer. I had the qualifications, so I really luckily walked into that, to be fair. I'm very, very conscious that that is not the norm, and a lot of other students find it quite difficult to find that first jump in. Yeah, perhaps. But, you know, what you're saying there is you had a contact that allowed you to kind of make a start there. And, you know, I was recently contacted by an old friend whose son is wanting to go to university and study design. And she reached out to me to give him some advice. So perhaps even if you don't know anyone directly, it might be worth asking around and seeing what opportunities you can mm. dig up and perhaps just getting a foot in the door because I'm right in saying you didn't work there that long but perhaps was your first job as a designer is that right? Oh I was there for three years but you know there's other opportunities within education before you get a job so one of my friends did a product design course and his course was a sandwich course whereas halfway through the three-year term they did two years then you have to do a year in design 
So it's almost becomes more like apprenticeship in a way, which makes sense. Like that seems really sensible. It wasn't something that was available in the course that I had, but to get that practical experience within your education makes sense. Work experience as well, like in A-level, my work experience was, it was called Pace. It was a company that designed computer appliances and things like that. And I asked if I could go along and see how they worked there. And that was through a friend of a friend asked if I could get in there. So like you say, contacts are helpful. But yeah, using the opportunity of work experience and sandwich courses are other ways to sort of help someone get that job after education. And sandwich courses, just to kind of make a note on that, if anyone's looking at what kind of further education they want to go on to, and sometimes courses can be hard to kind of pick apart the differences between them. If one offers a sandwich year, so perhaps your third year, you spend working in industry and then you go back and do your third year of study in what would be your fourth year as part of your university journey. My experience with people who've come to work for me in the past, that has been really useful to them in their career and really useful when you go back to your third year of your degree studies as well. You know, you're very much more aware of how you want to apply your learning So that's perhaps something really important for anyone out there looking at university courses, whether there's an opportunity to look for work experience in the duration of that course. At the end of university course, there are hosting sessions and exhibitions and things like that of your final year. So when you're doing your final year of your degree, you get to do an exhibition and employers go to those exhibitions. I was working for one company. We wanted to recruit a junior designer. We went straight to these universities and said, who's your best guys? We want one. We need one. They gave us like a list of five. They sent their CVs through and we employed them straight out. We'd employed them before they really even got the grades and finished. They must have thought all their Christmases had come at once. (laughs) At that particular university, I think their top 10 guys got employed straight out of university. Wow, that's fantastic. So it's always good to ask the universities what their post-education policies are. Yeah, good point. Just moving on a little bit onto sort of skills. I wonder sometimes what skills you might need as a designer, what skills you might think you have yourself and why that would apply to design. What core skills do you think are good to have as a designer? And do designers have any common characteristics? Yeah, for sure they have common characteristics. I think definitely a group of like-minded people. You need to be inquisitive. Obviously, you need to be creative. You need to be observant. I think for me, I don't know if it's quite a characteristic, but I am profoundly dyslexic, like massively dyslexic. When I'm writing emails and things like that, I have to read them like 10 times to get anywhere. Although I say it's not a characteristic so much, but when I was at university, we were told on arrival, it's like, there's a fair chance more than half the students here will have some sort of learning difficulty. And dyslexia is it's not necessarily a disability, but it is a difficulty. It's definitely made my education harder. So if there was any students that did have learning difficulties, it's quite common to see that within the creative subjects. I've worked with people that are on all different spectrums of difficulties. I think throughout my career, I have worked with lots of creative people and studied with at university as well, who equally are dyslexic and I think if you are dyslexic or, you know, even if you have mild learning disabilities, it does seem to, whether that's what pushes people down a creative path or whether 
it tends to come hand in hand with the core skills mm. that make you a creative person. But certainly from my perspective, it's never really gotten in the way of anyone who is a designer because you you find other ways to communicate and ultimately you've probably got the core skills to communicate anyway. But I'm glad you raised that. I think dyslexia in the creative industries is fairly common and should definitely not be treated as a as a barrier no. to access into the industry. I think some people perhaps see dyslexia as sometimes a bit of a superpower in design. Yeah, whether it's almost like that ability to see in the matrix. Great. So, I mean, we're spending quite a bit of time talking about the career journey and, mm. and rightly so, it's the point of the podcast, but just kind of trying to move on a little bit. What advice would you give to someone who's currently studying, whether it's at school or university, and is interested in working in design? I think we've sort of laid out the traditional sort of way and route to design as a career. But it's not always afforded to people to take those early decisions correctly, is it? There's a lot of pressure, isn't there, in the options and choices at GCSE and A-levels and things like that to get it right. And it's hard to then say maybe you would have preferred to have chosen that in the future. So if this podcast does go out to students doing GCSE and A-level now and they make one path, there's no reason why they wouldn't come back to the memories of, actually, I think I probably would have quite liked to have gone into design. I've got friends that would have loved to have gone on into design and then they found other routes in. Let's say you've moved on, you're past in, you've gone to your A-levels and you've gone and done courses elsewhere and you feel that there was a missed opportunity. You haven't necessarily missed that only opportunity to get into design. Yeah, I know people that still do design-related things, whether that's led through craft, maybe it's a trade. Like One of my friends, for example, got a passion for furniture restoration and upcycling, things like that. There's still an element of design in that, in terms of deciding how that product looks and how it's presented and then selling it and then building all the social media behind it. A lot of interior designers find a different route in, don't they? So interior designers, they might have a passion about doing their own rooms or doing friends' rooms and they actually I quite like this. I think I could do this as a job. Is this even a job? And then, yes, it's harder to set yourself up and build a client base, but it's still possible. So yes, you've got your route in through education, but there are other routes into design-related vocations as well. So essentially, don't be too anxious about getting your choices exactly right at a sort of GCSE and A-level kind of age. Just keep plowing on and do your best. And, you know, I think there are many different routes to getting into design as long as you've got a solid education behind you. I've just got a few last questions I want to ask you about design and perhaps why design is important. So from your perspective, what are the biggest opportunities and challenges for designers in the future? So I think the main one is, is to remember that we're designing products. Products get bought, products get used. And then as soon as we talk about how something you have, when you don't want it, it gets wasted. It gets thrown away. And there is an accountability, there is accountability for designers and how we design things, how we manufacture things, and that's our environmental impact. So for a designer, it's a great highlight currently that what are the waste aspects of what you've designed? We make a lot of decisions about what things are, the materials that we've chosen, how it's manufactured, how it's assembled. Well, then where does it go? 
And when it's not needed anymore, then what happens to it? And these are the more important parts of the puzzles of designing is the disposal of it and the waste management of that, or even the refurbishment of that and the remanufacture of that product as well. We have to discuss those things at the point of design so it's easier to deal with at the end of life of that product. So that is the all greatest question at the moment for all designers. There's a lot of things that have been solved. There's lots of new things out there, but it's how we approach it now from an environmental point of view. It's probably the most important question and the most important challenge. Yeah. So the responsibility of a designer is taking raw materials or perhaps recycled materials, converting them into something new. What happens with that at the end of its useful life? And I would agree. I think that's got to be one of the biggest, not just challenges, but opportunities facing designers. Because, you know, in terms of the opportunity, I think just changing the way we design things changing people's expectations of products so i'm going to just move on a little bit and i'm going to ask you if there's anything you hold in really high regard as an example of of great design oh it's hard isn't it to pick one isn't it it's like picking your favorite film it's sort of like uh i don't know what to say to that it's probably the ferrari testarossa to be honest okay it's just this ridiculous car that just embodies (laughs) a lot about design Sort of like the childhood sort of love of design as well. It's a car. It's the Ferrari Testarossa. Ridiculous 80s thing. Did you have a poster of that red car on your bedroom wall? I did. Bright red one above my bed. (laughs) So, Rick, we've had a great conversation there. There's some really interesting points in there, I think particularly around some of those practical steps, the journey between school and getting a job in design. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about that is there anything else you want to add i mean we've covered quite a lot it's a great job it's a really fun job i have a great day when i'm playing i'm drawing i'm modeling things i'm making things i'm failing like 80 percent of the time but it doesn't matter because i'll eventually i'll solve it and i'll get it right and i'll have a thing that i've made new that i'm going to sell to someone and enjoy every minute of it. And it's an absolute passion and a privilege. And I feel very fortunate and very lucky to have found myself into this role. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't appreciate that. Lovely, all right, well thanks for that, Rick. Really appreciate your time again. And I shall speak to you soon. 